Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Well, those of you who are watching online, we want to welcome you too. Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, beautiful Sunday, snowing here in Boise. And uh, how many of you love snow? Okay, we got about a quarter of you that are into snow. The rest of you are just going to have to endure, right? <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm excited about this series as we kick off the Advent series uh, because it goes along with kind of what we've been doing all fall is getting our focus on the kingdom, not on the world around us. And that's a constant challenge, isn't it? To continue to remember that we really are not of this world, but we are we're foreigners here in a sense, and that we have a hope that's transcendent beyond this world. And uh, really that should give us lots and lots of hope, and we're going to talk about the Advent uh, the four words of Advent are hope, peace, joy, and love. Now, I have preached Advent series probably a dozen times, and I've never seen it as clearly as I did as I was preparing this week for this message, that really um, peace and joy and love is the cry of every human heart. It is the very most fundamental and foundational aspect of what life is. Now, we, we all pursue those things in various ways. It, it can be through material things. It can be through uh, security. It can be through relationships. It can be through status or accomplishments or whatever else. But if you boil it down, it's really looking for peace, looking for joy, and looking for love. Now, how does hope fit into that? Hope is the expectation of those things, of peace and joy and love. And there's only one way that we can have a confident expectation. Now, Tim already gave it away. It's Jesus. <laughs> and so we're going to look at that just a little bit more carefully here. But we're going to begin by talking about um, what it means. Before we do that, just take a moment. What would it be like for you at this moment to be in a place of perfect peace, perfect joy, and perfect love. What would that feel like? What would that feel like to have absolutely no worries? To, to know that you're completely, absolutely loved. To feel joy to your toes. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? That's what Jesus died for. And that's what he wants to bring us into. Now, again, let's look at what these words mean. Because we throw these words around, we throw hope around, but we don't necessarily know what that means practically, what, what it means. In this message, I'm going to do my very best to make this super practical. Um, if you've struggled with hope in your life, after this message, you won't anymore. Just kidding. <laughs> you see, there's, there's two very different and distinct uh, visions and, and definitions of hope. We have the world's vision of hope. And the world's vision of hope is, is very transitory. It is it's really more like wishful thinking because it doesn't have a foundation. 
You see, in this fallen world that we live in, it's just really impossible to have hope in this world because it's full of disappointment. It's full of pain and sorrow and brokenness and things that, that we all live in. And so the best thing that we could do is somehow to kind of uh, to garner up within ourselves a, a wishful, hopeful desire. And, and people do that because really you have to have hope to live. And it's interesting that uh, the majority of secular writers of the ancient times uh, did not see hope as a virtue it was just a temporary illusion that people needed to grasp onto in order to live. But this is the wonderful and beautiful good news, is that there is a hope that is sure. It's a foundation that we can build our lives upon. See, this is why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, he, he said this. He says those, and he's describing those who are outside of a relationship with God, who have not come into the covenant with God, who have not responded to the gospel, they don't have a personal relationship. And he says this, is they are without hope and without God in the world. Now that's, that's sobering, that's, that's depressing. When you think about the billions of people on this planet and those who, they have a wishful hope, they have a transitory hope, but they don't have a a real hope, because there's only one place to have a real hope, and that is having a biblical hope, a hope that's in Jesus. You see, a, a biblical hope is, is based on the unchanging character and promises of God. It's based upon the unchanging character and promises of God. I, this is the New, Amer uh, New Bible Dictionary uh, I read this, and I just, I loved it, and it ties into what Pastor Tim said earlier about this thing of not earning it, but he says, where there is a belief in the living God who acts and intervenes in human life and who can be trusted to implement his promises, hope in the specifically biblical sense becomes possible. Such hope is not a matter of temperament, nor is it conditioned by prevailing circumstances or any human possibilities. It does not depend what a man possesses upon what he is able to do for himself nor upon what any other human being may do for him. Now, that's good news, bad news, right? Because if you are resting on any of those things, that's bad news. But the good news, it qualifies every one of us for a perfect home. It qualifies us to be able to, to walk in that. You see, the Scripture tells us that those who trust in themselves are fools. And it lists a lot of other things. It says those who trust in horses, that's military might. Uh, those who trust in riches, those who trust in other people, they, they have a hope that is based in something that's not going to last, that's not going to be stable. And so, uh, in a word, hope is Jesus. Hope is in a personal relationship with Jesus. Hope is making Jesus the center and the Lord of your life. Let's stand together. I just want to read these two passages of scriptures. Uh, Pastor Tim read this first one. We're just going to read it again. 
And this is Isaiah 9 and verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we're going to move into Matthew here. In Matthew 12 and verse 20, it says, A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. Lord, we ask this morning that you would come by your Holy Spirit, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We ask, Lord, that you would just open up your word, and particularly this word, hope. Would you just open our hearts to a new understanding that, Lord, we could walk in a level of hope we've never experienced before. Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would put that deep inside of us. And, Lord, give us the ability, the desire this week to begin walking out the truth of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated. So we've established the fact that hope is essential for any emotional health. If you're going to walk in any kind of emotional health, you have to be a person who lives and walks in a place of hope. Now, hope is both existential and eschatological. How many of you have used those two words in a sentence this week? Nobody has. I, I just did that to impress you. But <laughs> they simply mean this. Esca, uh, existential is, is basically the here and now. It's existing right now. Now, it's very important to understand, and actually to differentiate hope on these two scales. Because hope is a real tangible thing for your life now. For your marriage, for your job, for your future, for everything that concerns you, hope is a legitimate thing for that. And God is interested in that. But it's also eschatological. That's end time stuff, right? We know that this world is not the end all. It's it's not where our hope ultimately lies. Because we know that Jesus is going to return someday. And so Titus says this, we have a blessed hope. And that's the return of Christ. That's our being caught away to be with the Lord and to live eternally with him. And there in heaven, we will indeed experience perfect peace, perfect joy, and perfect love. Isn't that going to be awesome? But the cool thing is, it's not just for then, it's also for now. And it's important for us to be able to, to put those two things together. We, we see in the Old Testament, um, uh, the Hebrew word and the English equivalent is Q-A-W-A-H. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I just was in Israel a couple weeks ago, and uh, my grandson Sam said, did you have to learn Hebrew? Luckily, I didn't. And so, I'm sorry, but that word, Q-A-W-A-H, has to do with with expectation, waiting in expectation. And and that uh, also in the New Testament uh, also is is used in the Greek 
word there. But Jeremiah 29, 11, we're familiar with this, most of us. This was actually a letter that, that the prophet Jeremiah wrote to the exiles in Babylon. Remember, they had been taken captivity out of Jerusalem. They had been taken to Babylon for, there was a 70-year period, and he writes in the middle of that these words, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. How many of you have stood on that verse once or twice? Yeah. You know, you're just like, okay, things are falling apart. It feels like everything is going to hell in a handbasket, as it were. And you come to that and you say, God, I just need to remind myself that you have good plans for me. You're for me. And, and even though I live in a broken and a fallen world, you are bigger than every problem, every situation that I face. Now, Jesus did not deny the fact that we were going to live in problems. And so in John chapter 16, verse 33, we see this. In this world, you will have trouble. You know the little thing says, every promise in the book is mine. Uh, this is one of the promises, okay? But he says this, take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, we're going we're gonna to try to unpack this today, that hope really is the key to overcoming the world. And in, in, in learning to, to walk with Jesus in such a way as we can break free of all of the things that would try to tear us down, to try to destroy our hope, and to uh, work against us. It, it, it is a battle, by the way. It is a, a warfare that you and I uh, are, are walking in. We don't expect to live a trouble-free, stress-free life. But we also know that we can walk in a place of victory in the middle of that. And that's the victory that he has for us. And, and so there are so many scriptures that we hold on to. Romans uh, 8 and 28 is, was one uh, that probably all of us have, have just clung on to at times. And it says, and we know. That's hope, okay? When you know something, that's, that's a manifestation of hope. That in all things, God works together uh, for good for those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, now let's just try to unpack this. How do we walk in this place of hope? Walking in hope is both a choice and a challenge. It's a choice and a challenge. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. First of all, there are many great men and women in Scripture that have struggled with hope. Remember Elijah? Great uh, uh, breakthrough. I was out on Mount, Mount Hermon, and they have a big statue there for uh, Elijah where he called down the fire and the prophets of Baal, and they had the whole showdown. Um, but right after that, what happened? He, he was so depressed, he wanted God to kill him. And he's off there in, in, in the desert. And so we're not alone in, in that struggle. Uh, the Apostle Peter is walking with Jesus. He's seeing the miracles. He gets to take a few steps on water until he gets scared. And yet, when push came to shove and Jesus was crucified, he denied the Lord three times. He lost hope. He lost hope in the middle of that. Even the Apostle Paul. I mean, I, I guess I see the Apostle Paul as like 
I mean, he's the linebacker of Christianity. I mean, he is just like this unstoppable um, force. And, and how God used him and what he went through. But just read with me this in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, and verse 8. It says, we want you to not be uninformed. I'm not just going to put this little uh, everything's good thing out there for you. I'm not going to just make you think that somehow I'm just floating in air through this thing. He says, um, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia, we were under great pressure. How many of you have been under great pressure? Far beyond our ability to endure, so we despaired of life itself. He was, he was depressed. The Apostle Paul was depressed. We despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But look at this last sentence here. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Now, that's the key of hope. The choice is, where are we going to place our hope? You see, we all place hope somewhere because we can't exist without hope. So we're going to place it in our circumstances. We're going to place it in ourselves. We're going to place it in our abilities, our skills, our bank account, whatever it is. But Apostle Paul said, we went through this specifically so that we could be stripped of that so that we could connect to real hope. Let me tell you this. Some of the things that you're facing in your life right now, God didn't create them. God didn't initiate them. God didn't design them. But this is how he's going to use them. He's going to use them to get your eyes fixed on an unshakable hope on him. It's for a purpose. And as long as we are being shaken, what's the problem? We're not on the solid rock, right? And so we just remind ourselves of that. Oh, things are shaking. I'm shaking emotionally. What does that mean? Well, that means that somehow I am not trusting Jesus. I'm trusting something else, and that's why things are shaking. So how do we cultivate this? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and, thir and verse 13 uses this word hope in combination of two other words. And I found it very interesting. I think it's very specific purpose. The Holy Spirit did that. He said, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. Now, how are those three uh, related to one another? This is how I think it works. Now, hope is where your faith is placed, Right? If we're going to have a, a secure hope, our faith must be in God. It must be in Jesus. If I have a solid faith in God in any situation that I'm facing, I'm going to have hope because I'm saying, okay, God, I'm not in charge. You're in charge. You're working this towards my good. You are, are, are bigger than this situation, whatever it might be. But what is faith built on? Faith is built upon the revelation of God's love, that God is for you, that he's not against you. You cannot have faith in someone that you don't believe loves you. But, you know, Larry was talking about this two weeks ago, 
And it's such a, a foundational and such a fundamental message of understanding the love of God. But you will never, ever exhaust that topic, that subject, and that growth in your life. And it is the foundation upon which faith stands. If you're having trouble with your faith, look to what your revelation of God's love is. And if you're having difficulty in your hope, look at your level of faith. And so those things, they, they, they tie together. And God wants to give us an increasing revelation. Well, how do you build a greater revelation of God's love? How do you build faith that builds, that your hope rests upon? It really comes from the actual, this definition of the word hope, which means to wait with expectation. Now, that's how we build relationships. It's by spending time with people, and you can only experience and have revelation of the Father's love as you're spending time in His Word, in His presence, listening to His voice. That's the, the, the catalyst. That's the, the place that we get revelation of the love of God. I can have a revelation of love, and I can tell you about it. But you can only experience it as you yourself have a revelation of God's love. And you are in that place where you say, oh, I get it. And, of course, there's just level after level after level of that that we can get it in a, in a much deeper way. It even relates to, there's a word uh, in John 15 that talks about to abide or to remain uh, in the vine. Remember that? Uh, that word, meno, is, is the word to stand and wait in expectation. It's, it's kind of that same concept, that same idea that happens. And so as we spend time in God's Word and He brings revelation to us, uh, you know, scriptures we've read over and over again, all of a sudden they just become alive to us. Have you experienced that? When a scripture just comes alive to you, just like it becomes what we call a rhema word to you. It's the logos in the scripture, but it becomes a living word to you. And that's why you just consistently are, are in the word every day because you never know when lightning's going to strike, right? You never know when the Holy Spirit's just going to go boom, and he's just going to launch you into a new level of a revelation of his love or a revelation that he wants to, to bring to you into. And the Apostle Paul in Romans talks about this in, in, in uh, chapter 15, verse 4. He says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the uh, encourage, encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Excuse me. So what is this endurance thing? This endurance thing is learning to wait. We, we like things instant. We like things microwave. But God is a crockpot God, right? He, he, just, he just doesn't do things instantly. And so we don't just come for a moment into his presence. We spend time in his presence. And, and that begins to uh, soak into our spirit and begins to have effect upon us. And so there's no substitute for just time, that enduring thing. But also this endurance thing has to do with looking at those in Scripture, uh, like the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter and, and the King David and all these different people, and seeing how in their journey with God, they endured and the result of that. The result of God's faithfulness and God's goodness and His, uh, His supernatural working 
in their lives. And so that's super important. Now, this, the second thing, and it's, and it's so connected, it's hardly a second thing, but it's listening to his voice. And Jennifer had, had just taken a moment just to talk about that today. And it is, it is so important that we know his voice and we cultivate it. Now, we know from John 10 that, that all of us who are followers of Jesus, we are sheep that we can hear his voice. Okay, that's a given. It's not a, it's just there. But, but also, it's something that you cultivate. Now, I just have a confession. After being a pastor for 25 years, I was struggling with hearing God's voice. And, a, and another pastor said to me, he says, well, you know, God doesn't speak to your head. He speaks to your heart. That was revolutionary for me because I'm just a person in my head and I just, you know, and, and it helped me to understand that as you are listening to the Holy Spirit, it's listening with your heart. It's the same way as operating in the gifts of the Spirit, whether it be um, tongues interpretation or prophetic words, um, words of knowledge, all those things. They, they don't really come to your head. They come to your heart. Is that right? You guys relate with that? And so... That's one of the keys to being able to hear uh, Jesus' voice is just to begin to listen to your heart, and you have to be quiet, and you have to wait for that to happen. But as I said before, this thing of hope is a matter of intense spiritual warfare because what does it say in John 10.10? 10? The thief has come, what? To kill, to steal, and destroy. Now he's wanting to kill your hope, your peace, your joy, and, and, and the revelation of God's love. Those are the things that he primarily targets through a variety of ways. And, and he, he is intent on doing that because as he does that, it is going to separate you from your source of life, your source of hope. And if he can separate you from your source of hope, he can take your life. How does it end? But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What is life? Life is peace. It is joy. It is love. That's the essence of love, of life. And that's what God wants to bring to you. Now, um, I have struggled most of my life with a low-grade depression. I used to say, well, I had melancholy personality, but I think it's just kind of a low-grade depression. And that's just a place of um, your hope tank is low. And um, I was going through a particularly difficult time, and, uh, and, and the Lord began to speak some, some things to me, and I don't have time to get into that. But a pastor again, another pastor came to me, and he said, have you ever heard about the five Ds of the devil? Have I shared those before? I can't remember if I have or not. But... There are five strategies or five levels of, of strategy that the devil used to really destroy our lives is what it is. The first one is disappointment. Now, disappointment is something that you and I face every day. Yesterday, some of you were disappointed in the BSU game. But we have big, we have big disappointments, too. We have disappointments in our spouse. We have disappointments in our children. Having Mark as a son, you understand that, you know? <laughs> but, but seriously, disappointment is a part of our lives. It's, it's things that we have to wrestle with. 
and they, they tend to accumulate. And so we have these little tiny uh, disappointments of, of the Broncos losing. We have these big disappointments of a health crisis or a financial crisis or a relational crisis. And, and these things will just continue to build up. And they, they take us to the next place of discouragement. Have any of you felt discouragement? Yeah. That's a buildup of disappointments. And if you continue in that, and if you don't resolve the disappointments, it soon becomes disillusionment. There's a lot of people in our world that are at that place of disillusionment. And that will lead you to full-on depression. And the, the number of those people who struggle with depression has exponentially increased since COVID. And of course, the enemy's strategy is to keep you into that place until you want to take your life. And so that's the fifth D, is death. So what do we do with that? How do we get out of that place of that pathway, that channel of of disappointment. First of all, and really the key thing, is we have got to get Jesus' perspective about each and every disappointment. Jesus has a perspective. He has an answer for those disappointments. Maybe not the BSU game, I don't know. And he wants to speak to you about that. In the... In the So much I want to say. <laughs> Let me just say this. In the Garden of Eden, when Satan tempted them to eat of the apple and to be able to know good from evil, it was a scam. Because we couldn't know good from evil perfectly because you have to have perfect knowledge to be, ha be able to discern what is really good and what is evil. Let me just tell you this. So, so you get a pink slip in the mail in your check and you realize you're losing your job. Is that good news or is that bad news? Yeah, we, we assume that's bad news. But down the road, you end up getting a job that you really love. And you tolerated this job because it was income for you, and it kept you secure, and it kept the, the wolf away. But God had something so much better for you. And you had to lose that job in order to be able to get back into the market of looking for a job, and then God provides a job that is so much better. Maybe it even pays more. But you love it, and you love the people you work with. Is that good news or bad news? That's good news. You see, when disappointment comes, we try to discern ourselves with the help of the devil, by the way, because the devil is constantly whispering in our ear in the midst of that disappointment, this is the end. This is bad. God has forsaken you. You're on your own. You're alone. There's no hope. There's no way out. He is just blaring those words to you. And if you and I don't stop, if we don't say, okay, Jesus, what is your perspective? What is your perspective about this situation? It will drain your hope tank. But if you, in the midst of that place, you get alone with Jesus, he begins to lift those disappointments 
to opportunities. He begins to lift those opportunities or those, those disappointments to a place where he's saying, I am in the, in the midst of this. I have not forgotten you. I am working in your situation. Just hold on and you're going to see my goodness. Because his faithfulness is new every morning. He is a good God. God is good. The rest is just details. It's just a matter of working those things out. And so as we come into that place of being able to do that and hearing his voice, we begin to unload all of those places of disappointment. And pretty soon, the discouragement lifts. The disillusionment and the, and, the, and the depression, it lifts because you have got a heavenly perspective on life. And that's what hope is. You have this perspective that, that Jesus has peace for me. He has joy for me. And he loves me more than I can imagine. I'm not alone. I'm not on my own. And so that reverses the whole trend. And so what we have to do is we need to be careful to take every disappointment to him. Now, if you're like me, you're somewhat oblivious to your disappointments until they're down the road to discouragement, maybe disillusionment. But when you find yourself there, you stop and say, wait a minute, this is not the place that Jesus wants me to be. This is not what he wants to live me, me to live in. He has come that I might have life. Peace, joy, and love. And have that in abundance. That is what he promised. That is what he has for me. And so therefore, I am believing something that is a lie from the pit of hell if I'm not in that place. And so we begin to back it up and say, Jesus, and you just begin taking all of those disappointments. Lord, first of all, identify the disappointments to me. Why am I feeling this? What is the disappointment in me? What am I disappointed about? And Lord, speak the truth. Speak the truth to me about that. So, obviously, this all hinges upon having that personal relationship with God. And if you're here or if you're online and you're watching, and you don't have that personal relationship with God, that you can come to him and you can listen to his voice, and that you can know that he loves you, where you start. And as you start that relationship, God is going to be doing a process. And it is a process. It's a maturing process. Even listening to his voice is a maturing process. And if you're struggling with, with hearing God's voice, don't, don't just say, well, that's just me. Find somebody to help you and walk with you and say, hey, could you just help me to cultivate this that I could learn to get out of my head and, and listen to my heart? There's lots of people that would, I'd love to do it to walk with you. I don't hear Jesus perfectly. I'm in a journey. But that's the, the, the foundation that you have. So when you have that relationship with Jesus, you know he loves you. You surrender your life to him. You begin to listen to his voice. Take your disappointments to him. And in Romans 5, 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope power of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the effect that we, the church, will have in a world of hopelessness when we're overflowing with hope? 
that's what he wants to bring us into. And so, this is the choice and the challenge. The choice is to put your hope in Jesus. You have to consciously do that. Consciously make that mental shift. That challenge to say, I am going to listen to his voice. I'm going to hear the truth about my place of disappointment. And I'm going to renounce and reject the lies. And I'm going to receive the truth. Amen? Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.